Welcome to another episode of the Agora podcast. It's the place where we take a closer look at developments in Greece and try to put them into context for you. In this show, we'll be discussing the Greek media. As in many countries, traditional media outlets in Greece have suffered from attracting fewer readers or a smaller audience and seeing advertising revenues decline. Greece's economic crisis was expected to shake things up but it actually has led to a greater concentration, meaning that key outlets are in the hands of just a few businessmen. Repeated promises by politicians about bringing greater transparency and fairness to the sector have largely failed to materialize. The annual digital news report, published by the Reuters Institute this month, suggested that just 28% of Greeks trust most news most of the time. It was one of the lowest figures among the 40 countries surveyed. The report also contains a number of other findings that shed light on the relationship between Greeks and the country's media. Later in the episode, we'll be speaking to Andonis Kalogeropoulos, the academic that partnered up with the Reuters Institute to research the Greek section of the report. He'll explain to us what makes Greece different to a lot of other countries in the report and why several of its results are a cause for concern. We'll also be speaking to Dimitris Xenakis, the co-founder of Inside Story, a subscription-based investigative and long-form journalism site here in Athens. He'll give us a glimpse into the challenges that independent media face in Greece, as well as his view of the media landscape. But first, we're going to start with an issue that's been in the news a lot in Greece recently. It concerns a decision to provide numerous media outlets with a combined 20 million euros in funding as part of a coronavirus awareness campaign. Critics say it was an excuse for the centre-right government to assist its friends in the media. The ruling New Democracy Party insists everything was above board. Our producer, Phoebe Fronista, caught up with Yuria Nakul, who is a features writer at Macropolis, our news analysis website. They discussed what all the fuss is about. Over to them. Hi, Nick. So we're here surrounded by parrots and other exotic birds um, in the National Gardens with Yuria Nakul, Macropolis features writer. And we're just a stone's throw away from the Prime Minister's office and the President's office. And Yoria came by to have a lemonita and to tell me about the controversy that the government has brought upon itself with, uh, with the money that it's considering giving to certain media outlets. Yoria? It's uh, basically funding for a public information campaign for the pandemic. Um, and it, uh, it was announced in two tranches. The first tranche was for the stay-at-home campaign, 
when the lockdown started and the second tranche was for the Stay Safe campaign which uh, went along with the, um, the gradual relaxation of the lockdown measures and it was paid to um, a number of initially undefined media outlets to support the public information campaign. And why is it causing controversy? Well, initially um, the government didn't say who the money was going to and how it was going to be apportioned. Um, when the opposition started digging into it a bit, they found that um, certain outlets that were opposition-friendly were not receiving funding. Other outlets that were receiving funding were sometimes of dubious substance, so websites that hadn't been active, um, other websites that appear to have been created solely for the purpose of receiving funding. Um, and so they started kicking up a fuss about it and asking the government for more transparency. And what's the government's response? Um, well, the government's first response was not particularly gracious. Um, they basically um, said that... Um, You know, they, they knew where the funding was going and it was being spent in the public interest and that certain outlets that were excluded were excluded because um, they had a track record of spreading fake news. <laughs> um, which, as you can understand, didn't make the problem go away. <laughs> they were subsequently pressured a bit more and they released a list of the outlets that received the funding but they still haven't released any information as to how the funds were apportioned between those outlets. Uh, and so the questioning continues. And so um, the issue was first raised by Syriza, who's the main opposition party. Other opposition parties have now joined in the call for transparency. So Kinal, the former PASOK, um, has also joined in saying, we want to know how taxpayers' money is spent. And Syriza is getting more and more vocal about it. Um, the latest announcement basically accused the government of trying to blackmail and manipulate the media. So it's, it's the tone's being elevated. <laughs> and do we know, I mean, have you checked the list out? Like, have you, have you seen something that's, that you would think, well, that's strange that these people are getting, are getting government money? Um, I've had a cursory look at it. You know, there are the main players are all there, which is as you'd expect. There are some fairly obscure sites in there. Um, you know, clearly one particular newspaper that's allied to Syriza is not there. Um, but beyond that, you know, there seems to be no um, clear criterion as to how the money is being spent. So, you know, understood it's a public information campaign, it's an emergency situation, you know, you have to get the message out. Um, but one would expect there would be some kind of guideline, you know, to do with circulation figures, audience figures and so on that determined how the money was spent. And obviously the fact that the government is being so grudging about, you know, releasing the full information. We always consistently rank kind of low on, on press freedom and... I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, like what the media landscape is like in general. Yeah, I mean... Um, Greeks have very little trust in the media. They have one of the lowest levels of trust in the media globally, if you look at global surveys, um, you know, as a source of 
information in their daily lives and they also tend to trust traditional media less than a range of media so they tend to trust digital media much more these days and particularly sources like Facebook over print media or television. Um, so any accusation that the media is being manipulated or the media is being biased finds quite fertile, receptive ground. I mean, it's worth saying as well that Greece is not the only country where the media is owned by large business interests and, you know, shadowy magnates and so on. When um, Syriza were campaigning during the crisis, this was one of their big um, arguments, was that you know, they were not gaining the prominence they should have because even though they were popular, the media was always against them. Um, and when they came into power, they actually actively tried to basically reshape the media landscape in their own image. Um, and that was cut short when they fell out of office. But one of the things, for instance, that they raised while they were in government is they had an inquiry going into specifically the, a case that really closely parallels this, which was how um, public health campaign money was being spent. That inquiry never came to an end because they were voted out. But that gained a lot of traction, and clearly this issue is gaining a lot of traction once again because, you know, the money is small time. 20 million euros is just a very small part of the emergency funding. But the symbolic... Um, impact is high because it relates to the media and clearly you know for the first time in since since they um, lost office they finally have found some traction and so they're not going to let this go and the government you know showed a bit of a tinier to begin with and you know still continuing to sort of being very grudging with the the, the release of information um, almost seem to be sort of helping perpetuate this. So there's now sort of growing calls across the political spectrum and within the party to say just, you know, just release the information, just come clean about this, you know, otherwise it looks like you have something to hide. Exactly. <laughs> and, and again, you know, it's, it's, it's worth bearing in mind, though, that um, pretty much every political party that's been in power in Greece, including Syriza themselves, have felt that they have to throw some money at the media because the media uh, as a business model is failing um, newspaper sales are about a tenth of what they were 10 years ago it's 15 years ago it's simply not sustainable on its own and again you know worth remembering most european countries have some kind of support for media recognizing that it's in the public interest to for instance keep uh, regional newspapers alive but it but there's never been a clear and transparent system to allocate the funds and not even a clear mechanism for allocating support funds. So it's something that needs to reform generally. Mm -hmm. the, uh, one of their reactions to this 20, 20 million spending issue was to put out um, a video on the internet which basically showed a female newsreader being showered with 50 euro notes and as the money was raining around her, her telling of the story about the government and about the Prime Minister's achievements becomes more and more positive. Wow. And so the message here is clearly that journalists are on the take and they will provide positive coverage in exchange for money. I mean, it's that blunt and it's that broad. 
Um, so understandably, yeah. journalists are, you know, haven't taken well to this. So, you know, they've created another set of enemies. But they've also so perpetuated or accelerated this distrust in the, in the media. If you're in a small country, if you're in a country where the institutions are in any way fragile, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot to, to bias the output and, you know, effectively leave people in the dark about a lot of things. Well, thank you for coming ahead of a thunderstorm to the National Garden with me. <laughs> Been a pleasure. And I guess we'll leave the parrots now and get out of the rain. So after George and I concluded our conversation about the media in Greece on a rather pessimistic note, I walked a couple of blocks from the National Garden to visit a small, online, independent media outlet that's trying to produce deeply reported investigative journalism behind a paywall with no advertising. They're called Inside Story. Their website is insidestory.gr, and they have about 2,000 subscribers who are their main source of revenue. I met co-founder Dimitris Xenakis, and I asked him about the challenges they faced, but also about his decades of experience working in Greek mainstream media. We just said that we're going to either we're going to do that something or nothing is going to happen, and uh, in, in a few years uh, we won't have even journalism in Greece. And from then, from there, we we managed to get a dedicated audience, and we managed to produce the kind of work that you do not expect in Greek uh, uh, media. And I believe that we have been doing this struggle, which is a struggle, I have to say, uh, ever since. Xenaki said that he and co-founder Tatiana Karapanayodi chose the subscription-based model not only to guarantee their journalistic integrity, but also because ad-funded journalism would mean that they would have to guarantee eyeballs. And the only way to do that is with fast journalism, or clickbait. This is something that we didn't want, and this is exactly what everybody else was doing, and, uh, and this is one of the reasons that uh, the, the trust in the media, at least in Greece, uh, ended up where it was. He says that Inside Story's way is better, but barely. No one is going to be making a fortune informing the public. If you think about it, the business model of having uh, fewer, let's say, readers, you might say, but people who pay for that and rely more on, uh, let's say, word of mouth than actual sales, uh, is probably a model that is sustainable. And this is what we saw, but barely. Um, so I don't really, uh, at least f- f- the way that we have done it, I wouldn't really recommend it as a, as a recipe for somebody to be doing. But there is uh, definitely something there. And it is possible to have a sustainable model. However, for any kind of change to happen, Xenaki says more outlets and more people need to get involved for a critical mass to be reached. Greece ranks a pretty dismal number 65 on the 2020 Reporters Without Borders Press Freedom Index. And Xenaki says that's because government transparency and institutions that protect the freedom of the press are, for the most part, non-existent. 
they don't exist. So if you are a small independent uh, media organization, then you are really stuck on your own and you are uh, always threatened by somebody, by something, by anything, that, I mean, but which is a usual thing for a journalist to have, but without any backup. So, for example, I mean, we have, uh, we are in constant, uh, you know, threats by extrajudicial, uh, uh, how you this, orders. Uh, uh, being sued. And, uh, and threatened to be sued. Uh, we are lucky because we are very careful in what we write. It's very difficult to sue us. But still, the threat is a threat. And beyond threats... Simply acquiring public records information that the government has not handed out is almost impossible, even though the legal framework for requesting these kinds of records actually exists. And it's similar to American FOIA, or the Freedom of Information Act, where journalists can and do receive information that a public body might prefer it not become public knowledge. But a law is one thing, and its implementation is another. On the subject of FOIA, for example, the legal framework exists but then you have to fight for it as well it's not just just the fact that it's written on a piece of paper somewhere doesn't mean that you can use it and and journalists are there they they have you know they're guilty of not pursuing this more also civil society is not pursuing these things more Xenaki says they're thinking of applying for EU funding to have the time and manpower to chase FOIA requests and create public awareness about them after he did an experiment with an intern at Inside Story. The intern asked a public body for a pretty benign figure, just a simple number. After multiple emails citing the law and being stonewalled by the public servant dealing with her request, she showed up at his office and he decided to play nice but not because he was forced or shamed into complying with the law, but because he decided to do this nice girl a favor so that she could finish her thesis at university. You're listening to the Agora Podcast by Macropolis. You can find us on Acast, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts for the time being. We'll soon be available in more places. In the meantime, please do subscribe, rate us, and send us your comments. You can also visit our website, www.macropolis.gr, for more information about our work. That's Macropolis with a C. Now, back to the show. back to the second half of the Agora podcast. Joining me now is Andonis Kalogeropoulos from the UK. Andonis is a communication and media lecturer at the University of Liverpool, and he's also a research associate at the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. Andonis joins us today in this capacity, but also because he is the partner uh, for the Reuters uh, Institute Digital News Report, which is uh, an annual survey of news consumption patterns in uh, 36 countries. And Andonis covers uh, Greece for that report. So this is uh, 
the capacity in which we want to discuss issues with him today. Adonis, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you very much for the invitation, Nick. Um, now, the reason we're speaking to you, apart from obviously the, the, the insight you can offer us, is that the annual digital news report uh, compiled by the Reuters Institute was uh, uh, produced, uh, published uh, very recently, and uh, it actually covered, I think, forty countries rather than thirty-six. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, so it's getting bigger every every yeah. year. And uh, there's some interesting stuff in there on on Greece, and that's what we want to focus on, given that uh, this show is looking at the media landscape in Greece and some of the particularities. Um, can I start off by asking you: Is there anything? striking in this year's report when compared with recent years? Uh, For instance, a a continuing trend, a sudden change or anything else that uh, you think we should take note of? Well, when it comes to Greece, there wasn't any sudden change this year. There wasn't any any anything particularly striking but that doesn't mean that the results for Greece are not striking uh, usually Greece is an outlier in our report in many measures of news use of trusting news of uh, uh, pay for news or ad blocking use so uh, we we see a continuous trend of Greece being very very striking <laughs> in our report rather than having a single right. end this year yeah. Okay. What, what, one of the things that struck me was this figure, which is that only 28% of Greeks said that they trusted most news most of the time. And, and the reason that that stands out is obviously that it's one of the lowest readings for the 40 countries surveyed. Um, from your understanding, what are the key factors behind this low level of trust? Yeah. First of all, let's say that it used to be 20% when we started uh, including Greece in our survey in 2016. And that was the lowest out of all countries back then. We've seen a, a, a small uh, increase since then, whereas in other countries we've seen huge decreases, like in the UK or in France. So Greece is not the last country anymore in trusting news, but it's still one of the lowest. So a couple of years ago, we... we uh, asked some open-ended questions in a number of countries we were interested in to find out why people do not trust news. And while in most countries there was, uh, most people, when they reflected on the lack of trust in news, they they talked about a lack of uh, trust uh, that journalism is free of um, from undue political and business influences, and B, that they didn't like the quality of news uh, in Greece, we only saw uh, um, perceptions of corruptions, basically uh, reason number number one. Almost well, no. By, sorry to interrupt. By, yeah. by corruption, do, do, do you mean that the, the public feels that the media are too close to business interests or political parties, for instance? Both. But it, what is interesting mm-hmm. is that most people didn't say didn't mention specific outlets, didn't mention specific businessmen, didn't uh, businesswomen, or did, they didn't mention specific political parties. It was a vague sense that came both from people who identified as left, center, uh, and right wing, uh, that bis- uh, media, basically, uh, the news media in Greece are corrupt and they're not independent from these influences. Very few people mentioned that they don't trust the news because of the... Uh, they perceive the quality of news being low or the news being very sensationalist, something that we saw in responses of people from other countries, like the UK, for instance. Right. 
Um, now, one of the things, um, one of the other uh, interesting findings, and I think you, that you pointed out this out uh, when when you uh, put out a few tweets about uh, the report, is that the mistrust which we've just been talking about doesn't really affect viewing or reading habits as Greece still access media they don't necessarily trust, but media outlets which are popular. How can you explain this? Yeah, first of all, I'm not sure it doesn't affect reading habits. Uh, I mean, uh, Greece is number one in or number two among our sample last year in news avoidance. When we asked people whether they actively avoid news, uh, a majority of Greeks said, said they do. We, uh, Greeks and Turks and Croatian respondents were the, among the top uh, in our sample in news avoidance. That's also related, of course, to the nature of news being very negative in these countries, you know, economic crisis, uh, what, what happens in Turkey at the time. So it, it cannot only be attributed to trust. But uh, I'm sure that trust has something to do with it. But on your other point, it's true that in Greece we see that the top digital outlets in use in our survey are the ones that the Greeks trust the least. But this is not something specifically related to Greece. We see it in other countries, in the UK, The Sun, for instance, is the most widely used print newspaper, but it's the least trusted outlet. And this phenomenon has been examined before in uh, academic literature in news, use and trust. Um, it's, it, it's been established that people may sometimes or many times use media they don't trust, but it, this is a question related to different motivations. So people use news uh, not only to get informed about, you know, get some accurate information about what happened today in the world, but also, for, in, for example, to be entertained or to find information that fits their predispositions, for instance, very, for, find very partisan information, for instance. So um, it depends on their motivations. Maybe when people will look for actual accurate information for something they really care about, they don't necessarily go to outlets they don't trust. Uh, but when they have other motivations, maybe they, they they go to outlets they don't necessarily trust for hard news, but they like their coverage of entertainment or sensationalism. Um, what, what does the survey tell us about how Greeks are consuming their news? Uh, is there a move away from traditional media to online social media? And is that more or less in line with what's happening in other countries as well? Well, yes, we see a disruption in every country. Uh, people move away from TV uh, and print and radio closer to digital media and social media to different extents. Uh, in Greece, what's special is that uh, this move is more rapid. More, uh, more, the disruption is stronger than in other countries. Um, first of all, I would like to point out that our sample is... Uh, online only in Greece. So, uh, and only about 70% of Greeks have an internet uh, uh, connection. Uh, so we only look at these people that have an internet connection. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that based on other surveys too, the other 30% that doesn't have an internet connection stays very loyal to their uh, traditional news outlets, their TV or their newspaper. Uh, but the 70% that has an internet connection is moving away really fast from traditional news. We see the disruption in Greece being really uh, stronger compared to other countries. One indication of this is that when Greeks go to online outlets for um, for news, they don't 
they don't really pick outlets that they did use before the digital transition. So let's say, let's look at Denmark, for instance. Uh, the digital transition in Denmark happened so smoothly that when people went online to find news, they went to the trusted news organizations they liked. Before, I mean, the, the, the public service broadcaster is number one online. Their broadsheet and tabloid newspapers is what, what people uh, looked uh, online when they when they made the transition. In Greece, this is not the case. Of course, there are examples of some newspapers, some outlets that are successful both online and offline. But when you look at the list of the most successful uh, online outlets in Greece, you mostly see digital-born outlets and not traditional news. Okay. Um, my other point is about social media. You mentioned social media. Yes, uh, Greeks are first in the use of social media for news in among EU countries in our sample. We really rely on out on Facebook specifically, but also on on YouTube, on messaging applications like Viber or Facebook Messenger to uh, share news with each other, to to encounter news, and to comment and share news. We're we're um, on top of participation with news, engagement with news on social media via sharing and commenting, compared to when it comes to uh, when we compare ourselves with other European countries. And this, and I think it was maybe in last year's report or the year before, I think Greeks had the highest trust in social media for getting their news than any other country surveyed, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yes, we, we asked them. It was not specifically trust. It was about believing uh, whether the an info, information they find on social media is real or not, let's say. Uh, and compared to news media. So we asked this question whether you, you you trust basically social media to separate fact from fiction and news media to help you separate fact from fiction. And Greece was the only country where more people trusted social media rather than news media to help them separate fact from fiction among our... That, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's it. Is that something we should be worried about? And when I say we, I guess anyone involved in the media and interested in... Um, having a level playing field, interested in being able to get uh, facts across and interested in being able to have a, a readership that uh, looks for looks for facts. Is that something that, A, we should be concerned about? And secondly, that there should be some, you know, some uh, action on behalf of particularly the, the mainstream and traditional media if they want to keep a share of the pie? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, the uh, Greeks rely a lot on social media for news, and they also uh, are less critical about information they see on social media compared to people, uh, to our respondents in the UK, for instance, or in France or in Germany. And that's that can be uh, a pretty uh, uh, that can be pretty unhealthy for the dissemination of disinformation and misinformation in in Greek social media. But it's also it, it can also be harmful for the the business of news. Uh, now, news organizations in Greece have to rely more than other news organizations in other country other countries or uh, social media algorithms for the distribution of their news. Uh, it's not that it's not a problem everywhere, but in Greece it seems to be an even 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 larger problem. Um, if we and if we examine this phenomenon next to the other findings of our study showing that Greece, Greeks have uh, the highest use of ad blocker software in our survey 
and Greeks are really not likely to pay for online news uh, compared to people in, let's say, Scandinavian countries, countries that have a tradition of you know paying for news, uh, even in a traditional uh, age. This is, creates a very unhealthy picture for most news organizations in Greece. Uh, financial independence and sustainability is really hard for many news organizations, basically. Yeah, obviously, if uh, that, that, that's a very good uh, point. I wanted to ask you, is there an easy way we can explain this, that the, the Greeks are more likely to believe what they see on social media or to put it another way, to not, not so likely to question it? Yeah, I mean, they do question it, but they don't do it in a similar way that people in other countries do. I think there's two things there. One is the, 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 the lack of trust in news that's so radical among uh, a majority of Greeks that, you know, when we ask them an open-ended question about this, why would you trust information you see on social media? What they told us is that they like like the wisdom of the crowd, uh, like the um, uh, comments that they find underneath a news story, for instance, that can, uh, quote-unquote, correct what the journalists or the news organization claims. They think that this is the thing, they told us that they find that you know, uh, um, some somehow a form of fact-checking. So the, the, the lack of trust in news is so high that they, many Greeks, not the majority, but many Greeks even trust the comments underneath a news story more than, you know, what the journalist is saying. And another story is that the, there is a big discussion in the Western world, especially in the US and in the UK, about the role of platforms in disseminating inaccurate information, in political ads, uh, whether they should, you know, they should uh, get money to uh, promote uh, false statements by politicians, for instance. Uh, this discussion hasn't really been uh, highlighted in Greece. Uh, maybe it's the news media that they don't really report about this. Um, I'm not sure why this is not really discussed in Greece in a similar length that it has been discussed in the US and the UK and other countries, but. Yeah, I see these as two of the most uh, prominent uh, reasons why Greeks are a bit less critical towards the, news, the social media platforms compared to people in other Fair countries. Yeah. And if we factor in everything that uh, we've di- discussed here and you kind of take a step back and look at Greece within the context of the other 39 countries that mm-hmm. are surveyed by, in this report... Um, what what is it that that's particular to to Greece? And you've touched on a few things, but just if you could sum it up. And also, what do you think that means for the news media going forward? What are the particular challenges that we have to look out for? Yeah, uh, I mean, when you look at findings of each country and you try to put Greece on the map, in many ways, Greek Greece resembles a Latin American countries in our sample. The mix of low trust in news, reliance on social platforms for news, uh, uh, social media platforms for you know for news use, and the uh, narratives Greeks use about uh, the media being you know um, corrupt elites, basically a populist narrative, basically about the news media is very uh, very widespread in many Latin American countries in our sample, and to some extent to to Italy, maybe in Turkey, but uh, I would say it's closer to these countries. This is uh, an unhealthy picture for news organizations and democracy in Greece. 
uh, as I said earlier, um, the um, there are many problems with the sustainability of news organizations, even in the richest countries with very high news readership, like the Scandinavian countries, let alone in Greece, where uh, news organizations don't only have to uh, fight, let's say, uh, the digital uh, uh, ad prices that are very low compared to the traditional ad prices, for instance, but also a very hostile readership, ad blocking use, lack of pay for news, and the lack of independence can lead to further corruption for some news outlets, and that can reinforce this vicious circle of lack of trust in news among readers that will lead them to more uh, reliance on alternative news sources and social media platforms for news. This is one of the greatest challenges, I think, for the moment in, in, in Greek media landscape. Adonis, I think that, that's a great point to conclude on and, and as you say um, this is in the end not about just uh, media organizations making money or being financially viable it's also about the role they fulfill in uh, our uh, democracy and uh, this is why it's a it's a pressing issue and i think it was one worth highlighting in this episode thank you very much for your insight thank you thank you very much for your invitation That was Andonis Kaloyeropoulos, who is a communication and media lecturer at the University of Liverpool in the UK. That's it for this episode. Before we go, I want to thank Yeria Naku from Macropolis and Dimitris Xenakis from Inside Story for their insight into the Greek media landscape and the current controversies. As always, many thanks to our producer Phoebe Fronista, who has been out and about over the last few days, helping to put the show together. We hope you found the subject, which is a bit of a departure from previous episodes, interesting. Please leave comments and rate us. The Agora podcast can be found at Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's also on our website at www.macropolis.gr. That's Macropolis with a C. We'll be back in a few days with our next episode. Until then, take care.